You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin. Hey everyone, it's Michael Jamin. Welcome back to another episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This. I'm here with Phil Hudson again. Hello, Phil. Hey everybody, good to be back. Hello everybody. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, something that, uh, well, something that I think is very important. How about that? The question is, should you write for film or TV? I think a lot of people, you know, at least I get from social media, when they leave comments, I think a lot of people really aspire to be film writers and they, because they have their story and they want to, they think that's, maybe they think it's more prestigious. Maybe they think they like the idea of going to a red, walking down a red carpet and seeing their work on a large screen. And, uh, and so I just thought I'd talk to you about my feelings about like film versus TV and why I greatly prefer working in television. And I think anybody who works in film is crazy. <laughs> so it's not that they're crazy, but it's just like, wow, I, I, you know, I, I see a lot of advantages for working in, in film. Uh, and to be clear, I am, you know, I am a TV writer, but I have sold a couple of movies, but, and even, and after selling those movies, I was like, I, I don't want to do that again. I'd rather work in television, but, um, but I definitely see the, the appeal that people have. So I, I thought I may shed a little light on what my perspective is. That sounds good with you, Phil. I think this is an exciting topic. We were just talking before we started recording. The industry's changed even since I started studying this craft uh, seriously. Yeah. Back then, there was a viable feature market, and yeah, it seems like it's gone the wayside. And I've seen the transition over the last decade with filmmakers and screenwriters coming into TV. I think because the money's better, there's more work, there's more creative freedom, mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure you'll talk about it. But there's that saying of the director runs the film set and the writer runs the TV set. Yeah. If you want creative control, we got lots to talk about, but if you want, if it's creative control that you want, then you want to be in TV because the writer's in charge. If you, but even when, if you want to be in charge on in a film, then the director's in charge. Often the writer's not even invited to set. The writer has no say that will be rewritten. The director might hire multiple writers to rewrite so, you know, if you think it's a, if it's about your vision, unless you are shooting it yourself, uh, forget it. You are you're really a, an afterthought. So, in in and by the and like you said, they are making far fewer movies now than they were even 15, 20 years ago. Like probably a third as many. And when you look at the titles being released, you get a lot of uh, you get a lot of remakes. You get a lot of sequels. You got a lot of reboots and. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, they're making it's, another... It's largely IP-based material, too. So it's yeah. other books that have blown up, and they buy that, the rights to that, they then right. make that. So it's it, it, it's because they're easier to market, which is why you have Fast and the Furious 13. Everyone knows that. And it's why you have Indiana Jones 5, because everyone knows it's just easier to make, to market. And even Barbie, like, I don't know if it's Greta Gerwig's dream to make you know when she was approached to write barbie she's like barbie do i have to barbie can't what about my original idea so it, obviously she wrote the barbie movie and turned it into something you know very unique and special but i can't imagine as a child she grew up thinking i want to write a movie about barbie you know it's you know they came to her with an offer and she turned it into something unique and creative but uh it wasn't i i you know i don't think she can't i i maybe i shouldn't speak but i don't i can't imagine she brought that the barbie idea to them i think they had to move the the in the ip and yeah you know, i'm, I'm certain i'm certain that's the case right but even even then because of the success of barbie now mattel is talking about creating their own cinematic universe 
Yeah, right, right. So get, get ready for more GI Joe, whatever it is. I don't know. Uh, so is that your dream? I, I, now, indie filmmaking, by the way, is a completely different topic. Maybe we, could, we can brush on it a little. I, my area of expertise is definitely not independent filmmaking, but that's a whole different... Uh, but that's what I went to film school for, and that's the Sundance world that i kind of been in. So I do, I'm familiar with that. And there's a bit of a merge there, and we can talk about Taika Waititi as a really great example of that, because mm -hmm. he came out of the indie film world. He was a Sundance kid, and yeah. then he started doing more prolific stuff. And while I was touring for Quasi, handling social media for the Broken Lizard guys, mm -hmm. that's one of the conversations we had with their, you know, one of the Searchlight VPs of, of publicity. Um, and she was like, yeah, Taika gets, he does one for us. We do one for him. Yeah. You want to, you want to do Thor, love, you want to do Thor? Awesome. We'll make Invisible Hitler. Like, right. You know, and it's, it's a way for them to incentivize, but I would say Clint Eastwood, I would say even look at uh, Christopher Nolan, that's the way it works. You get this yeah. deal at these big studios, I'll make your billion dollar film. And then they mm -hmm. let you make the film you want to make. Right. And one is going to make a ton of money, may win some awards. The other one's going to win some awards because yeah. they have the talent. Right. So if it's your aspiration, you know, for me, just the thought, just the thought of working film, you go, okay, I'll write a film and maybe I can sell it, but then, okay, then how, how, how many times are you going to sell a movie? Like it, it's hard to sustain that career. Whereas in television, oh, I know there's a TV show and maybe they have, you know, whatever, 10 or 13 episodes a season. That sounds like you can make a living. That sounds like you're working more steadily. And, and when I broke in, by the way, it was 22 episodes. So I was like, oh, okay, these people work all the time. And for 10 seasons, that sounds, to me, that was like the, the lure of a steady paycheck was in television, maybe less so today, but certainly more, more so than being a, a filmmaker. So, yeah, that's fascinating. One thing that's standing out to me from this conversation really just echoes what you've been saying throughout the history of the podcast. And we're approaching two years of this podcast. Yeah. And, and that is, you have to get out and do it yourself. Nobody's going to do it for you. You yeah. can't rely on anybody else. You have to get up and do it. And even the Greta Gerwigs, the um, Taika Waititi's, like they had a name for themselves as filmmakers before the big studio came with the big bag right. of money. They right. were the value and that's where they came to take advantage of them, right? Yeah. Greta Gerwig has the way to make her film stand out in her way and her style. And that's why it's a big hit. It's not... I don't think it's largely because it's Barbie. It's because of what she did with Barbie mm -hmm. that made it work. Yeah. But that's something she has honed and developed over years and years and years of hard work before she hit it big. Yeah. And also like my friend, my friend, Christy Stratton, who I'm going to have back on the podcast at some point, Great. she had, we had a run before. So she, I met her on King of the Hill. She's a writer on King of the Hill, but then she went on to a very long career, almost as long as mine working in various TV shows she might be just like one or two years behind me, but pretty much equal, right? And um, she works all the time in TV, but she had this film that she's been dreaming about for whatever, 10 or 15 years, and then decided, you know what? I'm just going to short, make a short. I'm gonna, and, and so she shot on her own dime and she raised the money. And she's like, you know, she's a successful TV writer, but in film, she's the no one. So she, she started from scratch and she uh, called in a lot of favors and, and, and shot a movie on her by raising her own money on uh, real low budget. And we'll talk more about this journey and why she's doing it. But uh, it's not like, right. even though she's big in TV, she's a no one in film. So, right. you know, it's a kind of a level playing field. And one other thing, well, 
I know I'm, I know I'm jumping around, but um, uh, just so you're aware, like in, in, as I mentioned about creative control in film, well, let me, let, let me tell you the experiences that I went through. So my writing partner, we wrote uh, a writing sample, a, a feature sample. We, I was dreaming where it was gonna get sold, but he was like, it's not gonna get sold, whatever. But I was like, maybe it will. We wrote a sample, our agent shopped it around, no one bought it as predicted, but there was a producer who was very interested in, in uh, working. He's like, this is great. We can't sell it, but let's try coming up with some ideas together and sell those. And so we worked with this producer and we wound up selling two more ideas. But every step of the way, like it, it was kind of exhausting. Like, you know, we're, we're coming up with these ideas, we're writing drafts, we're giving it to him, he's got notes. We're not getting, you know, and, and, and you're doing no, it's called free revisions. You're doing notes after notes. We sold it to the studio, but the producer is this basically this the gate. So until the producer's happy with the draft, the studio will never see it. And so this is what free revisions is. So you're doing constant rewrites for the producer. This is a big deal for the WGA, by the way. It's a very it's big deal. strike too. Yeah, I don't know what's going to obviously happen with it. And you're doing a lot of free work, which you're not getting paid, obviously, and, and the studio's not seeing any of it. And then you can finally, when the producer's happy, you give it to the studio, and then the studio has notes, and then, okay, now you're, now you're, <laughs> now you're, again, so they say, do a revision. And again, you go back, you start doing the revision, you turn into the producer, and the producer's like, eh, I don't think it's good enough, fellas. And then you do more work and more work. And then finally, you turn that revision to the studio. So it, I was like, and at one point, the producer, who I liked quite a bit, really good guy, but he, he, had, um, he also had development people working under him. So at one point, his development person left. He brought in a new one. And now this new person has a new direction that we're going. It's like, and it was, you know, oh, my God. It, you know, it, it was like, this is, this is like a never-ending hell. That's how I felt. It's just a never-ending hell because you have to please them. And I understand this is how the game is played. But I was like, in TV, it doesn't work this way. In TV, if I'm a writer on staff, I turn in my draft to the showrunner. If I'm not the showrunner, the showrunner has notes. Great. Turn in another draft. We're done shoot we're going to shoot it you know and of course the, the network will have notes but it's so much more streamlined because you have a timetable you we have to shoot this thing on friday you know mm -hmm. so you can't keep this up in development hell for a year which is what happens if you're doing film like you could be in hell forever on this i was like and, I, and I, that's I, the I term too it's development hell like you, what you said yeah. that's an industry term for what that is like i was i was and the money in terms of the money i got paid way more in tv than i do in film so well, that's like, what I was about to say, because I just said, you know, I we talked about on the podcast that experience I had where that guy signed the script, signed the contract to write a script for that thing, and it kind of fizzled out. But yeah. the numbers on it were like, it's like $160,000 to write a, a screenplay. Well, the average, I understand, is about six months to go through the whole process to write a script. Then, you, yeah, but then you have the notes and you have the yeah. feedback and you got all that stuff. So you're going to do one, maybe two of those a year. Well, you can go get an MBA and then go get a six-figure paycheck. No. It's going to pay you more than that, right? And, and just so you know, the movie's not getting made and it has nothing to do with you or it's just like, it's a miracle. Like, like movies, it, it's a miracle when a movie gets made. So if you want to see your work on the screen, even if it's been rewritten to, rewritten to death, forget it. Like most movies just do not get made. And so you're uh, okay. But you, you used to make you could used to make a good living writing movies that never got made. Maybe it's less so now because they're making because they're buying fewer. But back in the day, you could be a very successful screenwriter and never have a word of yours on on screen. You know, but in That's TV, amazing. it's different. 
you know. One question that comes to mind for me, Michael, when you talk about free revisions and development hell, you also advocate that writers write and they write for free. Yeah. And if you don't want to write for free, don't do this because that's what this job looks like. Yeah, right. What's the what's the difference between <laughs> the experience with the free revisions of the notes with the producer versus your definition of free writing? I mean, the free we're talking about two things. We're talking about improving your craft to write, to learn how to write. And so a lot of people just write one script and they think, well, I'm going to sell it or, and I'm done. Like, give me, give me, give me a paycheck. And my point is then you put it down and write another one and then write another one, write it. And, and you'll notice that script number five is vastly better than script number one, simply because you're getting better at writing. But this, the free revisions I'm talking about for these producers, like, you know, I, when you become a professional, like at some point, I, I got to take home money because this is not a hobby for me. This is how I make my my living. So uh, I, I did not, enjoy, I just didn't enjoy the process. I just thought like, ugh, I, it's no fun. It takes the joy out of it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, so we have to write. We have to write. That's part of yeah. writing. Being a writer is writing. But what the WGA is fighting for is that writers should be paid for all of the professional writing where other people are making money off of the sweat of their, their back, yeah. right? Like they're taking advantage of that situation because there's a bit of a power dynamic there where the producer has control and obviously they want to maintain their relationship and they want to make it as good as they can be. So I'm yeah. not saying it's a negative or like a, a nefarious approach to it, but it's still a, it's yeah, still, I mean, writers are sitting there getting, not getting paid. Right. They're, I mentioned the producers are protect, protecting their brand and they are they have the closer relationship with the studio. I get it. Uh, but they're not the ones doing all that work for free. So I, I just like this. This is not appealing to me. I'd much rather, you know, work in television. Like I said, you have more creative control. You're on set. And again, in, in features, what would have happened had these two features of ours been made this is it didn't didn't come to this and i didn't expect it to but we sold two features and um and at both times we're finally done we give both final drafts to the studio the studio is happy with it the studio executive we're working with happy like they, they've given all our notes and revisions they were very happy with the script now they give it to their boss who has the green light you know to say they they have the power to green light and the boss reads it over the weekend yeah not interested. Like, you know, it was like, it, it's over. It's it. It was like yeah. almost on a whim. Nah, and what else you got? <laughs> and it's like, there's no argument. There's no more, there's no more convincing them. It's dead because they, they just don't want to make that movie. And often they don't want to make that movie simply because the movie that did well that weekend was an action movie and your movie's a comedy and, and they want to make more action movies now. Or, you know, it, it's it's as simple as that. Or someone put out a comedy movie that weekend that bombed and oh, forget it, we're not doing comedies anymore. And so it, ha it could have, be, have nothing to do with the quality of what you wrote. It's just, this is what the, the marketplace suddenly changed and now it's dead. So, uh, you know, this is how it is. Ooh. You know, it, it, you know in, unless you are making your own movie and if you make your own movie, that's great. Uh, but do it on a frat, do it on a dime, on a dime. I say, you know, I, I had a nice conversation with someone. Someone asked me to, um, it was a couple of days ago, you know, they, they wanted to book some time with me for a consultation, which I occasionally do. And he's a really nice guy, but he had, he had fi self-financed some projects. And I was like, ooh, you spent, someone, you spent too much money on that. You know, you, you, you don't put so much money into your own projects in the beginning until you really get, you know, the foot, you know, spend spend a, a, like a couple thousand you know that's you know that's what you can do it on 
Uh, that's yeah. what I recommend. So, yeah, and, and in the indie film side of things, like you, the goal is to not spend your money. It is mm-hmm. actually to find investors. And yeah. the question is, why would people invest in an indie film maker who's made no money? A lot of people are looking for tax write-offs and they want uh-huh. to be involved in Hollywood. They want to feel like they are producing, being part of that because they probably had that desire, that dream, and they mm-hmm. chase the paycheck rather than their art. And so now that they've got the money, they would rather invest in another artist to be a part of that. And so, yeah, you know, my friend's dad is just this awesome guy. And he just texted me out of the blue like two years ago and he had a bunch of stocks vest and he cashed out. And he was like, hey man, if you ever have something you want to make, let me know. I've got some cash lying around. I'd love to put towards that. Oh, wow. But that comes out of a relationship of trust that I have with the guy. Um, and also, and, is, and it might come with strings attached. It may it be, could, it probably will. Uh, it may be, and this is not how it works in TV and TV. Okay. So in film, you might have a ton of executive producers because they help chip in like five for 5,000 bucks. You can become an executive producer in my movie. Like people do that. And TV doesn't work that way. TV, it's all financed by the studio. So it's not, it's not that kind of model. But in film, you, you write a check for 5000 Or if you write a bigger check for 50000 and the person says, I'll give you 50000 if you cast my, my daughter as the lead. Or if you make these changes to the script. And like, yep. you know, now, do you want to do it or not? That's up to you. How much do you want that money? And that's, I think that's really where the question of art versus craft comes into play because in that situation it might be a little bit more art it might be a little bit more of your decision Mm -hmm. well that's going to ruin my vision for what i have destroy the theme of this piece and i'm doing it myself because it is an expression of myself and that is art and you might turn down the money out of integrity for the art there but you might also take the paycheck because you've got kids who need diapers Mm -hmm. that's right right and so some people like they're they sometimes people are very naive about the whole thing and they're like, you writers suck or this is garbage. It's like, do you know how hard it is to get something made? And do you, un- do you understand that I also need to make money? You know? Oh man. We just had, um, you know, we do the webinars every month and we do a, we started to do this VIP Q and a after, and we were testing yeah. it out, but we had a member of your group. She joined and she was telling us about how she has made two or three indie films and she had, put up this money and she was going to shoot it in the forest oh, right. and the, and the film got, the film set got shut down because of a wildcat or a, a cougar, like a mountain lion or something yeah. came, into, it came in and ruined the whole thing. Yeah. And none of the actors want to come back. Right. And she knew this was a thing that could happen. And so she was asking the question about like hobbling together, like her footage to like make mm-hmm. something producible. And it's just heartbreaking because a good story, you know, you can't really do that because the story should mean something yeah um, and that's someone who's in there doing it, and i think they're doing it on their own dime and that's just heartbreaking yeah. to hear but i've got other experience where you know my buddy rich um he's produced a bunch of any stuff he's done stuff with michael madsen done some stuff with like major you know players knows a bunch of people and he was telling me about this film that he was working on for years and years and years and they shot the whole film and then it got locked down in post because one of the executive producers who wrote the check wouldn't wouldn't sign off on the final cut yeah and and so it got final cut yeah and it got stuck and there were like arguments and they had to work through and it was like five years and the end result they got out of it was a worse film because the producer had too much say right and wanted edits so understanding story structure you look at it it is just a it is a hobbled together piece of crap Mm -hmm. that has a couple big names in it right 
Yeah, I don't even think you need. Well, I don't want to talk about big names, but but yeah, that's that that's. And I felt bad for this woman in that in the VIB talk. But here's the thing: like, I also think you need to figure, be cautious on is how producible is this movie you want to make? Like, mm-hmm. you don't have you didn't have to do a movie, write a movie that takes place in the mountains. Like, you could have written a movie that takes place in someone's apartment. And and, and if you think I'm nuts, go watch The Whale which yeah. is, takes place in someone's crappy apartment and was amazing and beautiful because the writing was beautiful and the acting matched it. But yeah. the set, the set was ugly and uh, you, anyone could have shot that in their own apartment. But, yeah. um, and so that's, and that's on you as the writer. It's like, you, you know, you don't have to write a movie. You know, you, I would be cautious about writing anything with kids because kids are really hard to have on set. First, legally, you need to have tutors, right? I don't, you wanna bend the rules. They, the kids can only work a certain amount of hours. And what you do on your independent film, that's your business, but to be up and up, that's the truth. Yeah. And, um, and, and kids, uh, you know, it, it, they, they get tired, they lose focus and they wanna horse around. So I wouldn't, I would be careful about having kids. I'd be careful about doing anything that requires characters getting wet because mm-hmm. costume changes are, you know, bitch when you're wet and uh, at exterior locations, the same thing. I'd be, you know, back noise, street noise, uh, people being disruptive, you know, a leaf blower, like, you know, sure. like you don't, so you, but you can write something very compelling in a controlled set where you don't have to worry about any of this stuff as long as the writing is good. It's all about the writing. Hey, it's Michael Jammin. If you like my videos and you want me to email them to you for free, join my watch list. Every Friday, I send out my top three videos. These are for writers, actors, creative types. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm not going to spam you, and it's absolutely free. Just go to michaeljammin.com slash watch list. You know, I'm having flashbacks. So my, my thesis film that I did... Um, I took a crew, we rented a van, we took our equipment, we drove to Utah, negotiated all these things because of relationships I had to get it cheap, shooting in friends' houses, borrowing a friend's truck, doing all of these mm-hmm. things. Flew in a couple of indie actors from LA to, to be in my project. And while we were going through, you know, you just start getting hit with every single thing you have planned, start shifting based off of, there's cloud cover now because you're outside. Yeah. Um, it's starting to snow. Lots of beautiful things happen. Like we're shooting on an oil, a pump jack, which is you know an oil, de- an oil derrick is what you think about them as pump jacks, that big mm-hmm. swinging arm pumping. It's a training school that agreed to let us shoot on theirs. It was donated. And there's semi-trucks moving in the background. It makes the production value go through the roof of what we had. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, while we're driving, a deer jumps out and my friend's truck with my actors driving hits the deer. Right. And then we're driving the next day to go to the set to shoot the exteriors and we need that truck and it blows uh, uh, part of the engine and we can't use the truck anymore and I'm rewriting on the fly. And my friend's daughter is cast in this role because we're using their house and she's just this sweet little girl. She has like two lines and she gets stage fright and she can't do it. And so we have to put her sister in who's too young. And so I have to scrap those lines and rethink how do I get this emotional moment across? Yeah. And then at the end, when we're done filming, the little girl comes up and says, I'm ready now. Yeah, great. And great. heartbreaking, heartbreaking because yeah. yeah. we're done, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's just like, and that said, whatever, I would take inventory. If you decide to do this indie thing, 
you know, for, because as a way of getting discovered, as a way of breaking in, which is great, I would just take inventory of what you have that that's in your control. If if you're a truck driver and you have a Mack truck, all right, maybe you shoot in the truck. I mean, you know, that, that's yeah. an interesting set. Um, Plus, it's your life. It's that ties in the right what you know, right? It's you are that's yeah. you. You you can add reality, veracity yeah. to that. Right. Um, if you have a storage locker, the same thing. If you're allowed to shoot there, you're probably not. Yeah. But uh, but what little you have could be interesting. You don't think it's interesting because it's your life, but we think it's interesting because we don't live your life. Well, you, you know? while you were talking, I was just thinking of Robert Rodriguez, who's arguably one of the biggest directors on the planet. And he came from this indie world where he did El Mariachi. He like documents all of this in a great book, um, The Rebel Without a Crew. And mm-hmm. he had to like, he donated his body to science to fund it. And he went to the small town in Mexico. Wow. He went in for clinical trials for like oh, a wow. thing, to get the money borrowed a camera that didn't have audio, went to a town in Mexico where he would summer, borrowed friends and family and a best friend to play the roles, did the whole thing, and then stayed up at night in an editing bay at a local TV station to edit his film. Right. On and and did did it and blew up because he thought and all he wanted to do was to sell it to a spanish language channel ended right. up selling it to like sony or whoever sony columbia or something and now you can make it for a fraction because you could edit it all on your laptop so and you can edit it on your phone you can shoot the whole yeah. thing on your phone yeah but but the story was good why did it sell why was it a big deal it's because yeah. he knew how to tell a compelling story yeah and he just used what he had to do that job yeah so you know i i, I we're in agreement here if you have um if you want to do an indie film, great. Just don't spend a lot of money. And also, uh, you know, you don't have to, if you write something great, the actors will come out of the word work to be in it. And you don't even have to pay them because they're, they're getting footage and they're also being involved in something that could be really great and could blow up and could, re, could make their careers. But if, it, if the script's no good, you're going to have to beg them to do it because what's in it for them other than bad footage that they can't use? It's, you know. Yeah, I dove headfirst into this stuff when I was first starting, and I would like I would write a script, do one version of it, one draft, and then I would like shoot it, do a casting call. People would show up; they'd want to be in it. We'd be on set, and mm-hmm. they'd very quickly realize I had no idea what I was doing, and I was uh-huh. I didn't, but I just had the gumption to make it happen. And I remember like my lead calling me out one time. We're shooting this shot, and he's just like, he's like, dude, what are you doing? Like we're here you're not even using light to like help add subtext and value and like he's talking about how like when you're walking up the stairs well if you shot it this way through here there's like a cage and a shadow Mm -hmm. being cast on my face and emotionally my character is going through this inner turmoil with his relationship and there's all this and i was like i have no idea what you're talking about because i had no clue and i wasted time and energy and money doing it now it was a valuable learning experience for me and i got that lesson out of it so yeah your point do it as cheap as you can because you're learning you're just learning and that is the school of hard knocks not the school of theory and and philosophy it's get in get it done you're gonna learn you're gonna make a lot of mistakes you're not gonna sell the first thing it's probably not gonna win any awards and if you do awesome you did it now you know but you're most likely not and that's okay it's reps 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 yes Right. And I have a lot of respect for people who do it. And even if they come up with something terrible and crappy, well, guess what? They did it. Guess what? They put the, they put a lot of energy and work into something and their next piece will hopefully be better. And, you know, and most people just dream of it. And most people will just say, here's my script, make my dream come true. But the other people say, here's my script. I'm going to make my dream come true. And it may take long, may take maybe a long process, but it's, you know, they're putting the work in. So good for them. 
Yeah, my first class, um, I went in, I was, I had some credit transfer credits from when I was first in college. So when I went to film school, I, I was like up, like maybe, I was basically like a year ahead when mm -hmm. I got there. And I, I had to take a couple freshman film classes because they were requirements. And I remember intro to film, film 101, we're in this big IMAX theater on our campus. And Peter Grendel, our professor, who's like my age, is like teaching. And he, his big point from the first lesson mm -hmm. was the percentage of people who say they want to be filmmakers versus the people who make films is very different. It's like 0.0001% make uh -huh. a film. He said, so even if you put in all the time, energy, and effort needed to make an indie film that does nothing, goes nowhere, mm -hmm. you have still done something most people will never do, but yeah. most people talk about doing. And that's something to take pride in. Right. You, you know, my daughter shot a little scene because she's in, she's in uh, college. She shot a scene, a little, a little film that someone wrote. And it was just two people. It was short. It was like three minutes of, you know, a young woman. She was the girl and then a boy sitting on a staircase talking uh, about something. And it was, it was too short to go anywhere. But I was like, that, you know, that's interesting. Like, you could have done something. It's easy to shoot. You're just two angles and a, and a master and a, and a, on a staircase. Uh, if the if they spent a little more time with the script, I go. There, there's something there for sure. It's something compelling about uh, you know a, a boy and a girl who are dating and whatever whatever they were talking about. I was like, it's something small. And it, the, the the writing, it's about the writing. It's not about uh, anything else as far as and the acting. But it, but um, yeah, I mean that's just as an experiment. Can I write something compelling about two people on a staircase talking about something? And and we've seen this stuff. Uh, you know, here here's a good one. Mount's is a good example, but you know, in Pulp Fiction, when Samuel Jackson and, and Travolta in that car are talking about you know, oh, yeah. Mac, the you know what a what, the whatever. Crown Royale with cheese. Yeah, like yeah. like that's interesting. That's interesting, fun dialogue. You still need a story on top of that, but but that's it's rich, and we all remember it uh, because you know, yeah, or or, or the scene. Or that small little scene. If you had shot that small scene where, where Samuel Jackson's talking about, he's just he's uh in that guy's, this young guy's house. He breaks you know the, the first scene where there's five college kids or whatever that they're yeah. you know they're threatening because they they owe them money, and Samuel Jackson's talking about, he's clearly a killer, but he's reformed. He's found Jesus and he's struggling though. He's struggling to do the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> like like if you had shot that one scene. And it's in an apartment building. That's it. You have a couple guy on a couch and a guy and two guys holding fake guns. That one scene is very interesting and compelling. If that's your movie you made, I want to see more. And, yeah. and it doesn't cost a fortune to write that scene. There's no special effects. I guess in the end, they had some fake bullets or whatever, but that's it. And that, that's all you need. A, a, a thug, a street thug, Who's a you know a murderer, but he found Jesus and he's trying to do the right thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. That whole scene is is fascinating. And that's for anybody listening wanting to learn how to write great dialogue or understand characters. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that that what's so interesting about that cheeseburger conversation is they are killers, mm -hmm. and they're not talking about like when we get there we're going to shoot him in the face or we're, here's how we're going to dispose right. of the body. They've done this so many times mm -hmm. that this just we can talk about why they put cheese on a burger. Mm -hmm. 
because it's just it's status quo and the story's there because they're talking right. about like the wife and the foot massage and all that stuff as they're standing in the hallway and it just happens and they kick the door in and now let's be thugs right right it's just but how easy are both those scenes i mean the, mm -hmm. the first one's a little harder because you're in a car but they're both very easy in terms of shooting you know it, it's not it, it doesn't that wouldn't cost neither one of those scenes costs a fortune no it's all about the writing and the, the acting will support the the, the writing so. Yeah, I mean, that's Tarantino, like Reservoir yeah. Dogs. It's in a warehouse. It's a warehouse with some flashbacks to outside. The right. whole thing takes in one, in one room. Right. Right. And I know, but but even, let's say Reservoir Dogs, which obviously was the one really made him, but I, my the point I'm trying to make is just write, because right. you don't have to write a whole movie. Just write one compelling scene that promises something really, like, uh, you, on its own, you're like, I'm hooked. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe well, there's I more to it. And that ties back to your Fractals podcast too, which has really stuck with me. And I think about it every time I sit down to write when I'm structuring scenes and, and acts and I'm structuring my story. Right. You know, but if you can't do a scene well, right? how could you do a short well? If you can't right. do a short well, how could you do a full-blown act or a TV pilot? Well? Right. How could you, if you can't do that well, how can you do a two-hour feature? And just to... Because we did it, we shot that episode of uh, that, that ep podcast episode a long time, probably over a year ago. But it was called something about fractals. I think it was just called fractals. Yeah. And my the point I was making is, anybody who knows anything about fractals are like they're patterns that repeat in nature. That so if you if you see a tree, it has a you know a trunk and branches. But if you look at the leaf on the tree, the leaf has a trunk and branches. And then if you look at the cells, you know it looks so it's about these repeating patterns. And so my point is, for a movie. You have to write, uh, you want to write a compelling movie, right? But break down the, the movie into acts and each act has to be compelling. Then break down each act into scenes and each scene is compelling. And so, and then each line is, has to be compelling. And so you're really just repeating patterns over and over, but on a larger scale. And so if you, right, like you point out, if you can't write a compelling act, if you can't write a compelling scene, how are you going to write a compelling act? Just start with writing a scene. Yeah, That's write it. the scene, write the scene, write the scene over and over and over again. You can churn out scenes, even if you just took a week and just focused on one scene. Yeah. How much better is that going to be than taking a week and powering through 50 yeah. pages? Yeah. Right? And, and, and I'm sometimes... not advocating, and I'm not advocating, by the way, that you shift your writing style and it's not necessarily your what you teach is the process that mm -hmm. we do in Hollywood and we've seen in TV rooms. What I'm saying is as a writing exercise, getting in your reps to practice the craft of writing, you're gonna get faster return drilling this thing. And I talk about this all the time. It's it's Josh Waitzkin's making bigger, small circles bigger. Mm -hmm. So how do, you, how do you pull back and zoom in on something and focus on the detail work inside of that thing? And in jujitsu transitions, in this it's, how do I get into a scene fast? How to get out of a scene fast? How do yeah. I, how do I display things through subtext? How do I have people say things without saying things? How do I, what's the thematic thing? What's the energy coming in and the energy come out? That's all the detail. That's just a film condensed. So focus, just mm -hmm. do that while you're doing the other stuff. And that's a good point. And, and I was going to say, I'm guilty of this too. Like when I'm writing my, when I, well, I finished my book, but when I was writing it, I'd have a scene in my mind. I wanted to get to the next scene where I also some great stuff was going to happen. And then I kind of just got a little lazy in my transitions. It was like, and then I'm, when I'd read it again, I'm like, what this guy, what's going on in this transition? Can I, can I make this transition interesting? Can I, do I have to be lazy and sloppy? Can I, uh, is there, is there a goal to be found in the transition? And then I, I'd realize, oh, that's kind of where there's some interesting stuff is. So, um, 
you know, I'm guilty of it too, but you have to be aware. It's not just about a race and you're not just racing to get to the next scene. Yeah. You are, you know. And when we talk about enjoy the journey and enjoy yeah. the process, this is what we're talking about. You have to love doing this because it ends up getting you somewhere better than where you were before. And the other quote I believe I've said on the podcast too really stood out to me was an interview with Kobe Bryant. And he just said that nothing he does on the court, he hasn't practiced a thousand times. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So right. he's in there practicing, practicing, practicing. He shows up and you, you hear this all the time in interviews with other players from the Lakers. They say that they would show up their first day and they'd want to show up early to put in the work. And Kobe Bryant was already there practicing or, free throws, practicing yeah. free throws. You're talking about the greatest player or one of the greatest players in the NBA history was already there, was, was acting as if he was a rookie who had never taken a shot in a basketball court. All the money. Yeah. All the skills, all the fame, no name. Yeah. 70 hour work weeks, just putting in yeah. the work. Yeah. Why, if the greatest player has to do it, why do you think you don't have to do it? You LeBron know, LeBron James, he makes like what, 100 million a year off of all of his endorsement deals. Mm -hmm. I read, I think in Sports Illustrated, it's like 9 million a year goes into taking care of his body, just in trainers, oh my massage therapy. Like, wow. Why? Because that's his tool, that's his instrument. Um, your tool is your keyboard or your typewriter, your pad and paper and pen. And yeah. you don't need the, here's the cool thing. You can write a lot of things without needing a fancy computer or fancy software. You can just sit yeah. down and practice this with a pad of paper and a pen or a napkin. Right. What's your, what's your commitment to, to getting better at the craft? And, you know, I, I, I get why people, people just want to, uh, you know, they, they want fast results, but it's, yeah. you know, it's not a fast result kind of game, but no. I don't know how we got here from, should you be a TV writer or a film writer? But um, well, I think, I think we're talking about indie film and we're talking about the process yeah. of indie film versus features, but all of this relates it's skill set. And I know you oh. talked, you talked about for you, you like TV writing. And I, and I think, you know, with the time you have left, I'd love to hear what are the benefits that you found in TV writing? And I think they tie directly into this, which is you, there's more work. There's more time to sit and you do this more than writing oh, a Oh, but not only that, I feel like TV writing, becoming being a TV writer has helped me improve my writing all around because every week, including writing novels, including writing uh uh, you know, films, because every week you have to come up with a new story and it's the the, the repetitiveness, the, the repetition of, okay, let's break a story this week. We got to break a story next week. We got to break a story next week. And constantly coming up with new stories, even though they're half hour as opposed to an hour and a half, it's that repetition that really makes you really good. And that's why I feel, and I'm not the only one who thinks this way. If you want to watch a really good uh, uh, comedy, you watch TV, you don't turn to, to, to film. Although there are some really funny films, pound for pound, you go back to TV. It's, there, it's that action, that's where, the, that's where the, the good writers really get good. Um, I, I'll see a comedy, I, I don't even know how many comedies I tried watching uh, you know, on one of these streamers. I'm like, oh, a comedy, I'll watch this. And like, it's just terrible, this is terrible from some unknown. Like, have they spent some time in a TV writer's room? They would don't, no, you don't, this is not acceptable dialogue. That's not an acceptable joke. Uh, you, you just learn so much by being in television, I feel. And then you could go to TV or, if you, or a film if you, if you have an opportunity. But yeah. the learning you, ground, I feel, is in TV. Yeah, have you seen The Bear? I've seen, I saw the pilot. I haven't watched the rest. Dude, blew my mind. 
and yeah it feels like one of the most dramatic films tv shows i've ever seen mm-hmm. it's short form it's a, it's a comedy it's a sitcom it's yeah. got all the enemies for these comedies and it's it makes you laugh it makes you cry it's got all it's all those notes yeah. and you just look at it and i looked up the creator and it's like man this guy has produced some of the greatest stand-up comedians in history oh. chris mm-hmm. rock like just tons of people mm-hmm. um and it's like, yeah, you're learning this from being around and doing the work. And then that translates into what I think is one of the best comedies on TV. Yeah. And it's, it's great. I got to watch it. Problem is, Cynthia's already seen it. And so it, yeah. I got to watch it alone. Make time to watch I, it alone. I get it. I'm married. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But there it is. I hope that, I hope that helps. Um, yeah. What, one thing I just wanted to add to this conversation mm-hmm. was, when I first got into this, the advice was really centered around, is this a TV, a TV idea or a film idea? Not mm-hmm. necessarily, are you a film writer or a TV writer? Right. And I just wanted to get your, your thoughts on this because I hear this advice all over the place. Um, the question was, is this something that could end or is this something that could continue? Is this sort of yeah. the kind of idea that there's a clear defined ending to this? Right. I feel like there... TV might have changed that now with our long form eight to 10 minute because it's like a TV series ends up being a longer form film. But at the same time, I think there's some weight in that, which is something you tie back to in comedy. Your character doesn't really change at the end. Right. They reset. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'd love right. your thoughts on that. Yeah. So like if you're coming with a film, like is this a TV idea or a film idea? If the character goes on a complete journey, uh rocky and he rocky finally wins the or goes the distance it's it's not a tv show because he, he's not going to go it's not a fight of the week it's just like you took you took a street bum and you turn into uh he went the distance so it's done that's it but they made sequels sure each sequel is basically a remake of the first one and sure. none of them are as good as the first one because you took a character the only reason they did sequels is because they hey we can squeeze some more money out of this the story was over this, I'm sorry, the story was over. It was a beautiful story, but it's not like a world of you know Rocky and Mickey and, and the gang hanging out at the at the that would be hanging out at the uh, at the um, you know the training facility that at the yeah. that the boxing club that would be sunny. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, but the, you know which is fine. That's a TV series. They're just hanging out, people hanging out. So is it a world you're creating, or is it are you taking a character on a full emotional journey? So. Yeah, and that's an interesting. Like John Wick One is just great. It's great. It's a mm-hmm. great film. John Wick Two, I t- I kind of like more than John Wick One because okay. we get into the world. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't want John Wick Two if I hadn't seen John Wick One and felt like it was satisfying at the end. Right. And you're right. kind of bummed. The other thing, this is like just my thing as a writer. I really hate when characters suffer to like the nth degree of suffering and mm-hmm. just wrecking this guy just got his life back and now you're going to ruin his life in, in the second film right it's it's a bit of a bummer yeah so but yeah so that that's what i ask myself are you make creating a world especially in, in, in sitcoms like these are this is your this is your family i think of it as cheers do i want to hang out with these people week in and week out do i want to let them into my living room is that what it is because uh, i i certainly don't want to let uh, some movies, I, I, I no. Some movies, no. I don't want to. The Quiet Place, you know, a Quiet Place. I don't want. No, I don't want to let them into my living room week after week. That's not. Uh, <laughs> that's not. Uh, that's unsettling to me. Yeah. A great movie, not a TV show. Children of Men. Children of Men. One of the most impactful films I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Haven't watched it again. So right. it's enough. Right. 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 Got the lesson. So, move on. Right. 
Yeah. Oh, great answer, Michael. Thank you. That was great. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. We have, Phil and I have more to talk about. We have some exciting stuff to talk about coming up in future episodes, but thank you so much. And for what, what are we going to talk about, Phil? Uh, we're going to promote, we have a watch list, our newsletter. Forgot all about it. Yeah. So you can go to michaeljammer.com slash newsletter to join the watch list. You can also go to slash watch list. It's a lot of people know that one, but you've got that. Uh, it's a weekly newsletter. You've got the free lesson. Um, it's the first full free lesson you've broken into three parts. A screenwriting lesson. Screenwriting right? lessons. If you want to learn more about the very first lesson you ever taught me as mm-hmm. a mentor about screenwriting, which I think yeah. you were taught and I think you've taught lots of other people, yeah. is what is the definition of a story? So go get that, michaeljammin.com slash free. I think we get three to 500 people a week sign up for that thing. Oh, wow. Crazy. Wow. We also have, we've been doing free webinars and now we're, we're right now, we're the, the schedule's up. We're doing it every three weeks instead of every four weeks. So uh, you can come, come to that, michaeljammin.com slash webinar and it's free, yeah. come sit in. And um, and then touring for a paper orchestra that's oh, going to be coming up, I think, at some point, right? Yeah, hopefully. But we're hoping that our book, my book, is going to drop. I'm really happy with the way it's coming up. But we're doing the audio book now, and so maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that. Come, maybe we'll talk about more about that in a different episode. But um, yeah, if you want to come see me on tour or be notified when my book drops as an audio book as well, slash upcoming And the audio book is is really nice. It's really uh because I, I got some music i have a composer on it we'll talk about it now i guess anthony rizzo who was the composer on marin he maybe I'll, well well i'll talk about it in the next episode we'll open yeah. up talk, talk about that well, so go there michaeljammer.com slash upcoming if you want to see me on tour or be notified with the book and, and for everybody watching this um this is going to be a bit out of order so it'll be the next episode that i'm in right because the next one i think you got uh steve lemmy coming up yeah lemmy's coming up for episode 100 Uh, from Broken Lizard. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Until next time, keep writing. Thank you, Phil. Thank you. This has been an episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jammin and Phil Hudson. If you're interested in learning more about writing, make sure you register for Michael's monthly webinar at michaeljammin.com slash webinar. If you found this podcast helpful, consider sharing it with a friend and leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. For free screenwriting tips, follow Michael Jammin on social media at Michael Jammin Writer. You can follow Phil Hudson on social media at Phil A. Hudson. This podcast was produced by Phil Hudson. It was edited by Dallas Crane. Music by Ken Joseph. Until next time. Keep writing.